Hey, Jen. Hey, Tina. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. You're listening to Speaking of Racism. I get to be in the interviewer seat today for a little bit, and I get to talk to my friend Tina about her journey really over the last few years. Um, so it's funny. I want to be like, welcome to the show, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I receive being welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you. <laughs> You're in you're in the hot seat on your podcast today. How does that feel? You know what? It feels good, natural, because it's just me and you. So like, it's no big deal, right? It feels it feels good. This is how I want to do it. it. So yeah, awesome. So today we're going to talk about Blacksit. What is Blacksit? Great place what does to that start. Mean? So. I'm going to, I'm actually going to pull up my book here that of course our patrons will be able to see because we're recording the video, everyone listening from um, their favorite podcast devices won't be able to see that, but I'm reading in chapter 38 of my book, Are We Free Yet? The Black Queer Guide to Divorcing America. Um, and this is what it says. Blacksit is the modern day resurgence of African-Americans who choose to exit the United States either primarily or in part due to systemic anti-Black racism. So that's my definition. That's kind of an overview of it. I think it's important, I know it's important to say that the term Blacksit was coined by a Black man who is an academic, a journalist, and a human rights consultant whose name is Dr. Ulysses Burley III. And he combined the words black and exit as bringing them together as blacksit. So not to be confused with Blexit or Brexit, um, Britain's Brexit, not to be confused any of those. This is the word black representing black folks, African-Americans, and the word exit representing get out, (laughs) representing leave, representing um, those of us who are done and who have had enough. So that's what Blacksit means. I also like to refer to it um, as kind of the new underground railroad in in a sense. And I know that that is because for me, as I began my Blacksit journey, um, which I didn't know that's what I was starting when I began to have the initial questions in my mind of what would it look like to actually move out of the United States. So um, I wouldn't really understand that this was a full ass social movement until, you know, much until later. but I think about as I started to do my research and digging into what is Blacksit and, and learning about this movement, it for me felt very much reminiscent of what I imagine um, many of our enslaved ancestors experienced um, in terms of 
trying to escape the plantation, right? Um, so I invoke the spirit of, of Harriet Tubman as I am moving in this way um, with thousands and thousands and thousands of other Black folks. Um, and, and the reason that I feel like it is a type of new Underground Railroad is because I do not feel like this term and this concept and this movement has become mainstream yet. It is not something that everybody knows about. It's not, um, it's not common yet. Uh, as a matter of fact, I still encounter many Black folks um, on a regular basis when I'm interacting online who have not heard of Blacksit. Um, and then when I'm able to connect them with resources and other communities that are um, focused on the Blacksit community, it, it starts to open up this whole new world that we didn't even know was possible. So that's what, that's a little blurb of, of what Blacksit yeah. is. When did you start thinking about this? Because probably you started working toward this before even realizing there was an entire movement and language around it and this term mm -hmm. Blacksit. Do you recall a moment in time where you began this journey, so to speak? I absolutely do. I'm going to say it was around 2017. And, and I'll even go before that. So I am newly divorced, so I guess it's been about a little over a year and a half now, maybe almost two years. But um, my then wife at the time and I um, were living in, where were we when we met? <laughs> we were living in Texas. Uh, well, I was living in Texas. She was living in Afghanistan. That's another story. But um, I remember when we met that she shared with me that she had a desire to travel the world um, and to just, you know, backpack and, and move to and explore different places and different countries. And at that time, I had three kids um, at home, uh, three teenagers. And so when we got together, the, we made a decision that when the kids were grown and out of the house that we would we would travel. So I guess to be honest, the initial, you know, thoughts of leaving had more to do with just, you know, wanting to um, travel um, with her. Um, and that changed at the time in 2017. I was still in my fitness career. At that point, I had been in fitness for 15 years and um, I had actually just retired um, from my, or, or quit rather, my full-time um, roles in corporate management um, in the, the health and wellness industry. Also, um, as Rachel Ricketts refers to it, the wealth and wellness industry. Uh, so I had just uh, stepped down from all of my full-time roles so I could just teach, just be a group fitness instructor. Um, and again, this is the, this is at this point Trump's America, which looked yeah. like a fucking mess. And mm -hmm. so that also contributed to, um, realizing that I don't know that this is a place I want to be anymore. Um, then yeah. coupled with the fact that later that year, um, 
fall of 2017, I met a remarkable black woman who announced that she was running for governor of Georgia. And her name was Stacey yeah. Abrams. And uh, I decided at that point awesome. that I was going to get involved um, politically by volunteering um, uh, for her campaign. Um, and so during the 2018 midterm um, election season, I was very active around the Atlanta area, which is where we lived at the time. And uh, that, that uh, election resulted in, as we all know, um, Brian Kemp stealing the election. And mm -hmm. um, it was at that point for me that there was a shift, right? Like at this point, I'm kind of counting all of these factors. How safe do I feel in my black body in this country? What does living in a country where Donald Trump is the president look like? And, and it wasn't even as much about Donald Trump, it was I am living around the white folks that voted for him and supported him and have him in office. And at that time, you know, this is again, several years ago, you know, I was very big on blaming the Republicans and the, the, the white Trump supporters for everything. I no longer feel that way. Exactly. <laughs> There's the sure. Democrats. I'm, I'm definitely sharing all of my, um, <laughs> angst and things with the Dems at this point as well. But that's a whole right, other, right. that's a whole, uh, exactly. That's another season. episode, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, I talk about that in my book as well, but, but just, just, you know, placing me in where did I make the decision that I'm going to make this conscious decision to flee the country and leave because I mm -hmm. no longer feel safe in my queer black skin in this country. And I dared hope and, and, and wish and have this imagination and this dream that surely there is somewhere else on the planet where I could feel peace. I was going to say feel safe. And that's a part of it. Um, but I do want to acknowledge that I don't believe that there is a place on the planet of safety for, um, black folks, but in particular, queer and trans black folks. So um, I need to name that. And I need to name that I recognize that anti-blackness is global. I do not think that the cure to racism is just leaving the United States. Um, uh, and, and, and so that's a real, that's a reality too. However, there is no brand of racism quite like the American brand of racism. Um, I, I actually believe that the rest of the world has learned so much about um, uh, oppressing black folks from the United States. Um, I, I, I feel like I remember, yeah. and Jen, you're more of the history buff than I am, uh, Hitler um, and Nazi Germany yes. using yep. um, the United States as examples of you know, yeah. going into their, their, their fascism and, and all of this. So I just had this thought. Um, and again, at this point I, I had started following a few, um, folks who had made their blacksit. And so Stacey Abrams lost or rather, um, Brian Kemp became governor and 
based on my experiences um, working during that election season, I was just like, I, I don't even think the Dems can save us, to be honest. So I'm just going to be out here trying to save myself. And, and I happen to have already discovered several folks that had escaped, that had left. So at the time, um, I remember finding um, a, a black man called, I want to I say that his handle is the minority nomad or something like that. And then um, another black woman who is a, a young, formerly incarcerated black woman, and they both were in Vietnam. And so initially, um, following their journey and their stories, I decided, um, with, again, with my then wife, that Vietnam would be the place that we would seek to move to first. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's where it started. Yeah. And then COVID hit, which complicated some things, but I won't get sidetracked on that so much. Um, I'm curious, like, as you, like, where did you go? How did you start? Because you, like, for people who have followed you, they may or may not be aware of the degree to which you truly, like, sold everything and hit the road. What was that like for you? So kids are grown and gone. Um, we, uh, my, my ex-wife and I made this decision that we are leaving now is the time. And so that is exactly what we did. That was the beginning of it is recognizing that we wanted to be nomads. So it started with us getting rid of about 95% of everything we owned. So selling everything, throwing things wow. away, giving things away mm -hmm. and putting a few items in storage. Um, even being going as far as voluntarily surrendering um, our vehicles so that, well, one of the two vehicles that we had, um, just reducing our expenses and changing our lifestyle completely and totally so that we could not only live a nomadic lifestyle, but we could also be minimalists. So we had this <laughs> uh, plan to just um, travel. And this is, this is beginning of January. This is January of 2020. So we're going to definitely get to the, the, what happened <laughs> as two queer black women who are minimalist nomads experience the global pandemic. But initially it was the beginning of 2020 and I had just acquired this podcast, right? And that was when you and I met for the first time. Also, we went to Alhambra out um, near LA and I had many speaking engagements scheduled around the country all over doing various things from leading screenings and discussions of HBO's documentary, True Justice, Brian Stevenson's Fight for Equality. So that was the plan that we would be traveling with my speaking schedule through September. And then in September, uh, we were going to move to Durban, South Africa, because I had an opportunity. Uh, I was offered some work there to, to do some an anti-racism comparison and analysis of um, racism in the U.S. as compared to uh, South Africa post-apartheid. Um, so that was the plan. And then oh. <laughs> here comes COVID. I remember those days. Right. Yeah. And it just feels like listening to you talk about it, it feels like another lifetime. Like it was an it entirely does. different reality and world. 
in time. And it's just really wild to kind of go back there. So you were getting ready to go into like, then what happened next? Yeah. So COVID hits and all, everything shuts down and all of my work is canceled. And, um, fortunately, um, my wife is in the tech industry. So her job, um, sustained us, um, during that time. And I won't go into all of the details, but I will share that I experienced some personal tragedies. I do talk about this in my book. Um, first was my wife leaving me, um, very, um, unexpectedly and suddenly. Um, uh, and then my oldest daughter had a mental health crisis. Um, and then George Floyd was killed. And I, I referenced those things in that order because that's what was happening in my life all within a few weeks of each other. Um, so, you know, of course the summer of 2020, we all remember the uprisings that took place in the street and everybody picking up the Black Lives Matter mantle and mantra. Um, and, you know, that's also another conversation about what that was like. Um, uh, but what I will share is that at the time where the country was experiencing this, this kind of peak of um, folks being somewhat willing to listen and um, rally around and, and, and fight out and speak out against um, police brutality, um, it, it was at that time that I was you know, I was, I was falling apart because of all of the personal crises that I had experienced. And so, uh, the first thing that I did was, um, get into some therapy and I had a remarkable team of four black women therapists out of the university of Kentucky. So shout out to, um, Dr. Candace of the center for healing racial trauma and her incredible team and staff there. Um, they came alongside me and supported me and we did a lot of really good, deep, powerful work, um, in therapy. And then a friend of mine, Andre Henry said, uh, you want to go to Jamaica? Cause at that time, uh, like I said, I, I, I was really, since my work in South Africa had been canceled, I started to shift my plans back to moving to Vietnam, but it's COVID, so Vietnam's borders were closed. So I was just kind of sitting in San Francisco waiting for Vietnam's borders to open. And that's when um, Andre said, you want to go to Jamaica? And I said, sure, why not? Jamaica had never been on my radar before. It was not a place that I had considered moving to or done any research about. In my mind, I'm just going to go hang out with a friend wow. for a few weeks. And we got right. there at the end of July 2020. And within a few weeks, I absolutely fell in love with that beautiful, blessed island and decided I was going to stay. And so I stayed for six months that first time, uh, went and got my visitor visa extended uh, and, and stayed for six months and then would have to, you know, go back and forth to the States a few times. Um, I wound up staying and living in Jamaica for right at a year, a little, little under a year. And you were a part of that with me in terms of watching, oh, like, yeah. you, you know, oh, yeah. again, I kind of, I, I like to let our audience know that you and I have 
Um, we are friends. We developed a friendship after having met through this podcast. And so at the time when I kind of ran away and was hiding from the world yeah. and my life, which had crumbled, um, you mm -hmm. were present and you were, you know, observing me and, and just kind of a part of what was going on. And, you know, during 2020, we had the advisory board for the podcast. And so we were right. still putting out um, a lot of great episodes and great content. Um, and I was just trying to figure out, you know, how to get back to myself. I was just doing a lot of grieving um, and healing. Yeah. And it, yeah. it it turned into this really incredibly beautiful story, which is why I'm just so grateful that, um, you know, come the spring of 2021, I was offered a few book deals uh, well, in the first one, I turned down another podcast. Episode. I remember that. <laughs> I remember and then, that. I know, right? Um, and I, uh, and then, uh, you know, a month later, uh, this new publishing house, this Black-owned, woman-led publishing house um, was created by Rebecca Baruki. And, and she uh, said, I, I, I think you've got a really important story to tell, and I want, I want to tell it when yeah. you write this book. And so the book goes, of course, into the details of um, what my journey has been, um, my Blacksit journey has been. It goes into the details of, you know, me as a queer Black woman who is, at this point, kind of an expert um, in divorce because I have an ex-husband, uh, was married to him for 11 years. I have an ex-wife, was with her for almost eight years, and now I have an ex country. So mm. yeah, it's, 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 it, it was definitely a really wild experience living through and going through the big, the first, you know, few years of the pandemic outside of the yeah. country. So, you know, just kind of watching, well, obviously going through it in, in different ways, um, because the ways that the poor black country of Jamaica reacted and responded to the pandemic, I absolutely felt like um, I was in a better, that we were in better shape in Jamaica than what was taking place in the States, just in terms of the ways that that country um, employed a variety of measures to protect the people from getting COVID, such as, I mean, I, I only knew Jamaica for a year under curfews and lockdowns every day there was some curfew and some days it was earlier than others some days our curfew was being in the house and and off the streets and um you know up by 6 p.m and other times it was 9 p.m and then they employed lockdowns mm -hmm. where everything shut down for days at a time um including schools and businesses and and all of this so it it and then, but then also, you know, again, like watching what was taking place in the States and listening to the, the, the discourse and yeah, it's been, uh, yeah. Can you believe we've lived through at this point? We are two and a, what are we, two and a half years into this global pandemic, which is still a pandemic. Yeah. People aren't acting like, you right. know, recog recognize it. Everyone doesn't agree that it's still a pandemic, but whatever. We, right. We're two and a half years into this COVID thing, which then, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's, which, which, you know, is a different aspect of it added a different aspect to being um, a nomad, but and yet 
Yeah. I mean, what a wild time to Mm -hmm. transition into something so massive. You know, living in China a couple of times, like I understand on some small level what it's like to leave your country of origin and then go to a totally different country. And it is so challenging and so difficult. And and it's just a really hard adjustment. I cannot fathom doing that in the midst of a global pandemic, while also being a nomadic minimalist, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like the journey that you have been on in the last few years, just as a friend, having like watched and observed so much of it, it's hard to even put words to it. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, what the next few years are like and how Mm -hmm. it feels and how it may be different for you um, to explore the world in less duress from all of these different things that were going on. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like something that I'm curious about, I want to ask like, What have you really been surprised by or what is something that you feel you've learned that's just been really profound and life-changing for you? I have been surprised by the number of Black folks who are doing this with me. I have been surprised by the number of Black folks who, when they hear about my story and they learn that I live in Costa Rica. Like right now, um, I've been living here in Costa Rica for eight months. And what's ironic about it is that I didn't, again, I didn't plan on being living in Costa Rica, but what happened is I, um, I, I was scheduled to spend time here with, um, my sex doula. So shout out to Amina Peterson of the Atlanta Tantra and Divine Sexuality Institute. So I was only going to be here um, spending some time and doing some work with her for a few weeks. And then I was on my way to Curacao. But the thing that made me stay is that I found Black women community here in this little town. I live in a little local town in the Central Valley of Costa Rica. And there are Black women here and we are thriving and we just keep coming. <laughs> like that's been the most surprising thing. Um, so Jamaica um, and, and, you know, that the same happened in Jamaica when I, when I, when we arrived is realizing that when I started looking into, are there, is there a black expat community here? You know, are there black Americans who have made this blacks a journey? And I found that um, as well. And the same thing is, uh, I, there are two uh, black women who started what's called the Black Expats and Repats of Jamaica. That's their name now. It wasn't the original name. Um, they've now added the Repats so that folks that are repatriating from all over the world um, feel like this is their community as well. But I, I met them in September of 2020, and that was the beginning of what they were starting, their organization in the community of gathering and providing support for the black folks that were leaving the States and trying to, to live in Jamaica and just kind of helping us all through that process. And, and, and that grew, that started to grow and grow. And so now that community is several thousand people. Whereas I was a part of it when it was just beginning, when it was just like five of us. Wow. (laughs) So, um, and that's that's just within Jamaica. 
that's just Jamaica, right? That's just the two years wow. in, in Jamaica. And, and that's been, and that's the, that's the surprising piece is that when I started to look deeper into Blacksit, I found communities everywhere. There are, um, for example, Facebook groups that, um, exist. So same situation in that, you know, back in 2020, when I joined, there's one group in particular, it's one of the largest, it's called, um, the Blacksit Global, Blacksit Global or Blacksit Tribe. Um, there's, there's several, and these are thousands and thousands and thousands. I think one of these groups is over 40,000 people when it was not near that when I joined a couple of years ago. And it is just black folks getting together in these online spaces and talking about wanting to leave and saying, well, I've already left and where, you know, where should we go? And who's, who lives over here in Turkey? Who lives over here in, in China? You know, who's in various African countries? Um, who's in South America, Central America. And that has been the most surprising and the most encouraging and inspiring thing is to recognize that I'm not alone in feeling like the U S is trash. Like it's a scam. And there are black folks like we hear, um, I mean, I hear, I think you hear also so much, so often black folks expressing that we're tired. We are tired of living like this. We talk about the U S is a dumpster fire. It's getting worse. It's like I said, that what we're learning is we thought we thought that Trump's America was one thing, but then, you know, then we've got the Dems aren't going to save us either. Like, so it just started to when I realized that this is so much bigger than I even uh, that I even thought and, and that we are spreading and the word is starting to get around. Right. This is that underground railroad feeling where it, it's kind of that if you know, you know right? If you, if you have been exposed to a black person that has left or wanted to leave, then maybe you've heard of Blacksit. And I'm really hoping that with this episode, um, and the reach that we have with our platform, that this is just going to grow like wildfire because I do want to go and get our people. Um, and it's, it's important to say that all black folks don't want to leave and that's just fine. However, yeah. there are so many black folks that do want to leave and just have not been connected to knowing that it's possible. And that is what right. I want to do, right, is is spread the word that, yeah. yes, it is absolutely possible. And there are people that are doing it and people who have been doing it. And I say the new Underground Railroad, but I also need to just speak to the fact that it, it is not a new thing. It is not new that black folks have right. fled terror and violence at the hands of white supremacy in search of a better life. That's, uh, I mean, the, the, the great migration, right? That's, that's why we have, you know, um, um, so many of our, right. our roots being in the South um, after the transatlantic slave trade. Um, and then, you know, we see the, the, the great migration up to places in the Midwest and the North, like this is not new, but what we want to do is, or what I want to do is normalize black folks, prioritizing their peace and their pleasure by any means necessary. And for many of us, that means moving out of the United States. Mm, yeah. So where do you go from here? 
and I don't mean that physically per se, right? Like not like where's the next place that you're going to go. But it sounds to me like you're really on a mission to connect other black people with the reality that this is a possibility and that there is a community of people waiting to help answer all the questions. How do you see this evolving and moving in your participation in connecting people in this movement? I see it exactly as you said it. I see it like as a mission. I see it as I just want to tell Black folks that we're here. We are everywhere. And that if they feel like a life in the United States as a Black person is not sustainable, and if they have a desire, a dream, a wish, a hope to, to leave and to find a place where they can be at peace, um, that exists. And, and, and that's what I want black folks to know. And so that's what I plan to, to, to talk about is just bringing more folks with us, just more getting free. Right. And, um, (laughs) there, it's it, what you just referenced and described as far as, you know, people saying, my, you know, you're welcome to come, but then they don't really mean that. What I could say is we say that and we really mean it. I have had maybe, I've had no less than a dozen friends um, visit me in both Jamaica and Costa Rica. And, you know, I think... <laughs> I was going to say my friends are probably tired of me talking about this, but my friends aren't, um, uh, you know, because you all know me, you know, this is what I'm passionate about is, is black folks getting free in whatever that looks like for them. Um, and it's, it is such a joy for me is when I sit around like my pool and, you know, this, this actually happened, I guess about a month ago. Yeah. It was in August and some new black women had just arrived in our little town. And so I'm, I'm one of the folks that people are like, okay, there's black folks coming, send them to Tina's. <laughs> so there was about, I guess there was five or six of us black women here sitting around my pool and just talking about our stories, right? Um, and, and what things led to us wanting to leave um, and what things everybody was doing to make that happen. And it is those conversations, Jen, that I want to spend my time on. Um, you know, people, there are questions that I get asked about, well, what, how do you live? How do you make money? How do you take care of yourself? And my answer to that is, is, is a lot of uh, faith and creativity and imagination and ingenuity. And in my case, when I left the U.S. in July of 2020 and moved to Jamaica, I was starting over from scratch anyway. Again, my wife had just left. My kids were grown and out of the house. So it's just me. And I'm at this, I'm a nomad. And so I don't have a home. So I was going to have to start over regardless, whether it was inside of the States or outside. And I made the decision to do it outside. And I didn't know how. I'll be honest. I had, what did I have? Maybe $5,000 to my name. And I just had a tremendous amount of faith um, and courage in myself, in my ancestors, in the universe, 
um, that if I really want to make this happen, I can figure out a way to make this happen. And here I am, you know, two and a half years later, and um, I have witnessed and experienced and been a part of watching so many um, Black folks continue to um, make their Blacksit journeys and make their Blacksit plans. Um, and that is what I see as being next, is you know, sharing about Blacksit with my community, with folks who will listen, um, talking about mm-hmm. my book. Of course, this is uh, a, a tremendous vehicle for me to spread the word about my story and experience divorcing yes. America, like that as a concept. And, yeah. and I do utilize, and I, I, I use the comparison of being in this marriage contract, right? Because again, I had the, I have the ex-husband, I have the ex-wife. I know what it's what it's like to feel like I am in a relationship or be in a relationship that is no longer working for one or both of us. And we need to make a decision about what are we fixing? What are we about to do here? What, what, what's happening? Like, are we staying? Are we going? Uh, do we feel like we've done everything we can to save this? Is there still love here? You know, what's salvageable? What's not? What are my boundaries? What am I willing to compromise on? What am I no longer willing to compromise on? I mean, you know, my experience is almost 20 years of marriage to two different people and, and 43, 42, 43 years um, as a uh, living in the United States as a black woman. And so that's what's next is the realization that I did decide to choose me. I did walk away from the toxic relationship that I had with the United States um, and I'm figuring out what that looks like. And, and it's been a really beautiful love story, to be honest. Um, uh, what I find, one of the things I find, and then I'm, and maybe this is maybe getting to the end of this particular conversation is I learn the longer, the more that I'm out of the country and living in other countries. And my particular choice and my preference is that I will Um, I exclusively will live in black and brown countries. That's my intention and desire. Um, and I love it. So I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm not uh, fluent in Spanish yet, but I am certainly working on it because I think that's important too. I'm, I'm a, I'm a visitor here. I am the foreigner here in Costa Rica. So, um, learning the language and honoring this culture is important. Um, but I'm also learning a little bit more about what it means to be American because no matter where I go, even when I'm in Jamaica, um, I might look Jamaican uh, before I start talking because, <laughs> you know, the, the, on the street, they see me with right. my black skin and my dreadlocks and there is an assumption that I'm Jamaican and then I open my mouth and it's, oh, she's American. <laughs> <laughs> that, that blue passport, right? Um, and, and the same here oh. in uh, Costa Rica. I, there's sometimes, they, you know, sometimes the, Local folks will greet me and just start speaking Spanish um, because they think I'm from the the Caribbean side of the island, mm-hmm. um, which is over in, on the Limon side, Puerto Viejo, um, that has a very large um, Black Afro-Latino community, um, very large Jamaican presence as well. So just it's it's mm. also grounding me a lot more in what it means to be American and live outside of America. So. 
all of these things yeah. that I'm experiencing and learning um, and living every day, that's that's what's next is just to keep um, prioritizing my peace and my pleasure by any means necessary and uh, finding other black folks that value their peace as well in a very radical way. And um, we're just going to keep thriving and, and keep the light on for the other black folks that, that want to join us. That's what's next. I love that. So for somebody who's listening to this thinking like, I really am intrigued by this and I think I want to do this, but I don't know where to start. Where do they start? Follow me. <laughs> follow no, there's yeah. follow me for sure. Um, but there are so many resources. I will say I am not a professional um, um, relocation specialist or anything like that. But there are so many people and groups and organizations that can uh, that provide those services um, specifically for Black folks who want to map out a plan and, and, and talk to somebody who's got that information. Um, so yeah. what I would encourage folks to do is Google Blacksit, learn a little bit about this movement, um, and then go to Facebook and Instagram and put in Blacksit and st- see what comes up, join those groups, as well as I know in particular on Facebook, if you put in Black Expats Of, and then put a country in. You're going to find um, a group of people, of Black people, that are either wanting to live in that country or currently living, well, both, uh, living in that country and then you know building a community through that Facebook group. I have made so many friends. I have met so many people just in these online Blacksit and Black expat groups. So I would highly encourage folks to do that research, um, as well as there are, there's a, there's a Blacksit global app you can download on your phone. There is a Blacksit global podcast, go to YouTube. Um, there are so many of us doing it now, um, that I do anticipate within the next couple of years, especially as we are about to enter the, another presidential election season in particular, um, we're going to see that number jump. And it's I, I've even just watched the trajectory of folks in my inbox reaching out saying, OK, I think I'm ready to start talking about leaving. What do I do? And this is what I tell them. I say, wow. well, let's get you into some some blacks and black expat groups, whatever country you're interested yeah. in. Again, we are there already um, and there are people who are ready to help you with your blacks plans and make that a reality. Thanks for that. And then you have a book coming out. So we're not going to, you know, be able to talk all about that in this episode. But can you tell us when it's coming out? I can. So my book by Row House Publishing, check them out as well, um, is called, again, Are We Free Yet? The Black Queer Guide to Divorcing America. And it releases on January 17th. Of next year so we are about Yay. four months away it is available right now for pre-order everywhere so if you are a person who shops amazon and, and barnes and nobles you can get it there but you can also find it on several um smaller uh platforms and public and and distributors such as you know and, and indie places so 
it's it's happening. And Jen, you're going to be with me in Jamaica for the book launch party, as well as for Legacy Trips Jamaica, which is yes. taking place January 13th through 18th, because we do want to invite folks to come and experience yeah. a little bit of what I experienced when I fell in love with Jamaica. Um, and so we, we're inviting people to, to come and be a part of Legacy Trips Jamaica with us. And I'm, I'm really, really beyond excited about I'm it. I'm so excited. Because who doesn't need a Jamaican vacation right now? I just Right. And to celebrate the launch of your book. And to celebrate like, the launch of my I'm book. I'm just so excited. So where can people follow you and find you? Let's go through that Instagram, wherever. Okay. Yeah. So definitely here at, um, on social media platforms, Instagram, it's speaking of racism, Instagram, it's Tina underscore Strawn underscore life. Um, Instagram, it's also, are we free yet? And then on my website, go to Tina dash Strawn.com. And uh, yeah, maybe right now that's, 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 yeah. those are places they could find me. Great. And then where can people find out about the legacy trips? Ooh, they can definitely go to our social media handle, which is legacy trips and go to also mm-hmm. all of those other platforms. I just listed where you find me um, go to the link in our bio you can also go to my website, tina-strawn.com slash legacy trips. And that's how folks can learn okay. how they can join us for Legacy Trips Jamaica. But there's also many trips that are taking place in um, the States um, next year. So we've got, I want to say there's right now four that are scheduled to happen in Alabama, which is, that's kind of our signature experience is um, taking folks on mm-hmm. an anti-racism journey through um, Montgomery and Selma. Um, and we are also excited. Yes. And this isn't something, this is the first time I'm saying this publicly, is we are putting together a family legacy trips uh, because I've gotten that question uh, quite a bit uh, through the past few years that I've been running legacy trips. So we are currently planning that for Philly to take place in summer of 2023. And we are also going to end 2023 with a legacy trips, Costa Rica. So there's so much more coming out about all of that. And I'm just excited to uh, keep working on that and for folks to, to learn about that and hopefully come with us. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing some of your Blackset journey with me, with us today. And yeah. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for having this conversation with me and, uh, I guess I will see you in Montego Bay in a couple months. Yeah. And thank you to Grapes for the music. The song is I Don't Know 